Okay, wait, wait, just a second. I got to plug this. Yow! It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. And this is the program for January 18th, 2009. Well, it's after the first of the year, by about 18 days. Maybe you have some video you'd like to edit. Maybe you scored a new camera over the holidays or... Maybe you've just gotten around to starting that project that you've been putting off for years. That project would be converting all those old VHS, Beta, Hi8, 8mm, and digital video tapes to a format that you'll still be able to use in a few years when there are no longer players for those formats. Well, Nero 9 claims to have all the tools you'll need and more. In terms of tools, not a lot has changed between Nero 8 and Nero 9, but the company has continued to work on organizing the interface and making the tools work together better. Nero Start Smart, that's the application control center, helps guide you to the right tool, even if you don't know what tool you need. Just tell the control center what you want to do, and it will probably take you to the right place the first time. Nero knows that the two most often used features are playing audio files and video files, so those players are now a part of StartSmart. That is a big change from 8 to 9. Instead of waiting for another application to open, you simply start listening or watching much faster. In preparing this review, I tried to use the Nero Help function. When I asked Nero for help, Nero said that there were no help files said they didn't ship the help files with the product. Now, that may seem like a bad idea. Instead, it offered me a link where I could go to download the latest help files. It wasn't a question of disk space, and there's plenty of room on the installer disk for the relatively small help files. The files were probably still being prepared when it was time to start shipping, and this really isn't a bad idea because you'll always get the most current information this way. Now, maybe they should have included at least what they had, on the installation CD, but I won't fault them too much for doing that. If you buy the product in June, you'll download the files that may have been updated in June. However, users could use a little help to figure out where to put the help files. It's easy enough to figure out. After you download and unzip the file, search for a file with the same name, rename the old file, and copy the new file to that directory. Easy for me to do because I knew what to look for. Nero really needs to provide instructions for installing the new help files, or better yet, just create a download that gives the user all of the help files and then installs them on the user's machine. If you're running Vista, (laughs) well, if you're running Vista, you'll need to convince Vista that the file is safe. When you copy a file into the program files directory, Vista becomes all concerned and suspicious and warns about the file Every single time you try to use it, Nero does explain how to make that stop. It's still an annoyance. Not Nero's fault. It's a Vista problem. But it's an annoyance. When you're ready to start the installation, you should probably do that and then go out for a walk. For reasons that are really unclear, installing Nero takes nearly as long as installing Windows XP, Because setup programs work best when other applications are closed, 
you might want to schedule that installation around a trip to the zoo. The download, if you choose to obtain the program that way, is a big one, 1.5 gigabytes. If you know you won't need some of the components, you can choose the custom installation and tell Nero not to install them. That said, most people will probably want all of the components that install by default. One is left out, and left out intentionally. It's the one that allows you to write to a CD as if it were a large floppy disk. That's the kind of application that causes a lot more trouble than it's worth. So, once you get Nero installed, you probably want to do something with it. Well, there are three options. Maybe it looks a little confusing when you first start looking at it, but after a few minutes of use, you understand what they're trying to accomplish here. Smart Start and the various applications do still need some work to closely integrate all of the pieces, but there are some big changes between 8 and 9 in that regard. More coming, probably, in the next version. This is an evolutionary process. So, to get started, you simply select a type of task from the top menu, a type of job from a menu that's on the left, or you go directly to what's essentially a start menu for Nero down at the bottom of their window. Click that, and you can go to any specific application, if you know which application you want to use. In addition to being able to play files from StartSmart, you can also rip, burn, copy, and create backups from there. That's a welcome change. And as I said, although some work is still needed, StartSmart is helpful in leading users to the right destination and doing so in a pretty quick and efficient way. If you already know which application you need, though, use the Start Menu function and just jump right to it. When either you or StartSmart selects an application, the launcher minimizes itself, and then it returns once you've finished the application. That's a nice touch. One common destination for most people is going to be Nero Vision. That's the place where you can import and edit video files. Just about any non-copy-protected video format can be imported and edited. Nero offers a lot of burning options, from really simple to extremely complex if you want just a basic disk that is closed, meaning you can't burn more data to it and that it will work in a player on a TV top, for example, rather than just the drive in your computer, then you'd want to select one of the options from StartSmart. For more precise control, you'd select the narrow burning ROM, and then you can choose the type of data or multimedia CD or DVD that you want to burn. If you have a large program that you'd like to place on a lower-capacity disk with the attendant loss of quality, Burning ROM makes that possible, too. And you can use the Recode function to allow videos to play on a palm-top device. If you use Nero for ripping music from your CD collection, you'll be happy to know that Nero has now added support for GraceNote. That means you won't have to type in all of the artist, album, and track name information. iTunes, Winamp, and even Windows Media Player have done this for years. So Nero's a little late to the party in that regard. You can keep it simple if you want. Choose small file size, medium quality, or high quality. Or you can go into a full menu and make all the settings manually if you want. Next, if you want to edit audio, well, there's Wave Editor. It handles basic editing and soundtracks. It supports surround sound, both 5.1 and 7.1 multi-channel formats. Soundtracks also include settings for transferring recordings on vinyl albums, remember those, and tapes. Photosnap provides basic photo editing, and there's Rescue Agent, a file recovery tool that might 
make it possible for you to get a file back, even if you've emptied it from the recycle bin. You tell a rescue agent where the file was and give it some information about the file. But here's the real beauty of the feature. It also works with digital memory. So if you do something that causes your memory card in your camera to forget where the pictures are, you might be able to recover pictures from there, too. Now, Nero should highlight this feature. They really should, because anybody who has ever lost one or more images to their own stupidity or a technical malfunction, and stop looking at me that way, will consider Rescue Agent to be worth the entire cost of the application. It's a $100 program, or if you have a previous version, it's a $60 upgrade. So the bottom line on Nero, Nero 9 can do just about everything you might want to do with media files, and probably some things you haven't even thought of. With Nero, you have several ways to accomplish the same task, a one-click push-button way, and a way that allows you to control all the variables. That means the program allows beginners to achieve what they want, yet doesn't stifle those who want to be fully in charge. For more information, check out the uh, Nero website. You can get to that from the TechBiter website, www.techbiter.com. And Nero 9 earns four cats. Consider that as good as catnip. I received a message from the U.S. Treasury. Well, it said it was from the Treasury. It said it wanted to warn me that On January 1st, 2009, a large-scaled phishing attack started and has been still lasting. A great number of banks and credit unions is affected by this attack, and quantity of illegal wire transfers has reached an extremely high level. If you're reading that on the website, see if you can count the dead giveaways that this is a hoax. Let me tell you what they are. First of all, there was no comma after 2009. Minor point, be caught only by somebody who understands language, but I would expect a message from the U.S. Treasury to be passed by that kind of person before it's sent out. Then there's the large-scaled attack. A fish with large scales would be large-scaled. Attacks of this nature would be characterized as being large-scale. And then there's that, and has still been lasting. I think the writer probably meant to say that it's continuing. The attack is continuing. No native speaker of English would ever phrase it the way this letter writer did. And then we have a great number of banks and credit unions is. Some would argue that number is singular, and number is the subject of the sentence after all. So the verb could be is, maybe. Wrong, Charlie. The sense of the subject. The sense of the subject. Multiple banks and credit unions is plural. That calls for a plural verb in the minds of at least most editors. Next point, we're up to number five now. And quantity of illegal wire transfers. This is what I consider a twofer, so it's really five and six. The article, the, needs to precede quantity, the quantity of illegal wire transfers. And a native speaker would probably say number instead of quantity. Well, that's already six, since the previous one was a twofer, but here's an extra one. Can you imagine any government official writing a message that sounds like this? The message goes on to say that I'm getting this letter, it was of course an email, not a letter, in connection with new directives issued by the U.S. Treasury Department, suggests that I click one of the two links that will explain everything. One of the links is to a net domain, the other is to a com domain. The sender, of course, hopes that you don't remember all government agencies, at least at the federal level, use gov domains. Neither of the domains is registered to a government agency or any other legitimate business, and I'm sure you're totally surprised by that. 
Both registrations probably go to fake names at non-existent addresses. My assumption, of course, that this was some sort of phishing scheme, that turned out not to be the case. I thought it would be an attempt to obtain your banking information or credit card information. Well, maybe that was the case, but at least it wasn't directly. Instead, both of the websites lead to a porn portal, one that claims to provide access to all sorts of Internet fun. I didn't proceed beyond that page, though, because there were too many potential problems. Other reports have indicated that that page itself contained a payload that attempted to load malware onto the computer. I did examine the page at some detail and didn't see any of that. The two largest threats to keep me from continuing, though, were that the site might try to use drive-by attacks that attempt to plant bad software on the computer, and that the sites might actually take me to a porn site, but one that starts by throwing complex attacks at a machine as I absentmindedly wander around the site inspecting the goods. This is kind of a new approach, and I suppose that once again I should congratulate the thieves who concocted it, at least for their attention to current affairs. Maybe someday they'll master the English language, too. What would happen if a major provider of Internet backbone services suddenly keeled over? Supposedly, the Internet is robust and traffic routes its way around problems, but about midday on Sunday, December 28, 2008, my connections to several websites dropped and could not be reestablished. At first, I suspected it was a name server problem at my ISP, and I was about to call in a trouble report. But some additional investigation showed that the problem was not with my ISP. I started by trying to ping several sites and received no response. In some cases, the names didn't even resolve to an IP address, so it certainly did look at that point like it was a name server problem. To be absolutely certain, I rebooted the cable modem, the router, and my PC. No change. A year or so ago, I had, at Wide Open West's insistence, changed my DNS server over to Wide Open West's, so I decided that I would change that back to Open DNS and see if that would solve the problem. Nothing changed. Well, that told me the problem wasn't with WoW and that I would have to look elsewhere. In the meantime, LogMeIn had gone offline, so had Carbonite Backup and my connection to AIM. I couldn't even reach Google Mail, Microsoft, or the New York Times. So clearly a big chunk of the Internet was having some sort of problem. I was able to get to the Internet Storm Center. It reported a problem with Level 3 in Detroit. Level 3 is a big backbone provider. At the time, Level 3's main page was also unavailable. The Internet Health Report returned Level 3's status to normal within about two hours, but continued outages were still being reported in Detroit at least four hours after the outage began. Level 3 apparently never mentioned the outage. I kept checking their news sources segment of their website, even though that outage affected both Internet service and, in Detroit at least, standard telephones. This outage was relatively brief. A couple of hours for me, if you're in Detroit, maybe four hours, six hours. Some people uh, did not have service restored for up to 24 hours. So it was primarily an inconvenience. But some online stores undoubtedly lost purchases, and IP-based telephone conversations were dropped. Despite its reputation for being robust, the Internet these days is actually a relatively fragile operation. That's bad. That's very bad. Because we depend on the Internet for so much these days. But it's not surprising. 
When bridges collapse and roadways crumble, it's clear that too little attention is being paid to the nation's infrastructure. In nerdly news, hey, I've got a 160 gigabyte drive to sell you, and it's really expensive. Want it? Sure you do. 160 gigabyte laptop hard drives are hovering around $100 right now. So you have to wonder who in his right mind would spend nearly $1,000, 10 times the amount of the standard drive, to buy a 160 gigabyte laptop hard drive. Particularly when to get that price, you must purchase 1,000 of them at a time. Well, as it turns out, quite a few organizations will probably be lining up to buy these hard drives from Intel. That's right, Intel. They are solid-state drives, and Intel is now shipping $950, 160-gigabyte solid-state drives with a 2.5-inch form factor. Early this year, the drives will shrink to 1.8 inches. 160-gigabyte solid-state drives. 1.8 inches across. Despite being about 10 times more expensive than standard hard drives, the solid-state drives will prove to be popular with users of portable computers. They run cooler. They use less power. That means the computer manufacturer can offer significantly better battery life for the same battery or a significantly smaller and lighter computer. In addition, solid-state drives aren't as susceptible to being damaged by shock or vibration as are drives with spinning platters. Another plus is the faster boot time solid-state drives provide. So people who travel frequently may well conclude that the benefits outweigh the extra cost. For lower-end machines, there are 80-gigabyte solid-state drives available, and 80 gigs is enough for a lot of situations. Still, these drives are going to approach $600 in 1,000-quantity orders for at least the next several months. Yes, the prices are high, uh, but look for good news. There's an oversupply of components in the marketplace right now. Both Toshiba and Samsung have announced plans to ship similar devices soon, so there's going to be some downward pressure on the prices. But with 500 gigabyte standard hard drives for desktop computers selling for less than $100 and one terabyte drive selling for not much more than that, don't look for solid state drives to take over the desktop anytime soon. Now keep in mind, soon is a relative term. Check back with me this fall. Jeff in Clarksburg, which could be West Virginia, Maryland, California, Massachusetts, New Jersey, or possibly one of several other states, sent me a copy of a spam that's similar to the one I described earlier, except that this one claims to be from the FBI, and it warns about transactions from the Nigerian government. Jeff says he really loved the way they didn't capitalize bureau or investigation, the way they misspelled government, and the way they added S to information throughout the email. The topper, though, was FBI Director Robert Mueller's email address was at Hotmail. Well, that pretty much says it all, but I thought I'd take a look at it and see if we could dissect this little piece of rubbish just a little bit more. Now, the thing comes from, or claims to come from, FBI Director Robert Mueller. Yet at the top of the message, there is the name of an assistant director in charge, Joseph Persicini, Jr., This is an extremely long message, and I will not bore you with the entire message here. If you'd like to see it, it's on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. But here are just a few points that I noticed. 
The message says that we, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, Washington, D.C., in conjunction with some other relevant investigation agencies here in the United States of America, have recently been informed. Okay, let's stop right there. The FBI certainly would have listed the other relevant investigation, which probably should have been investigative, agencies, don't you think? This is clearly a standard Nigerian bank fraud scheme, but it takes a little twist. It acts as if you've already replied to something that you haven't gotten your money, and now the FBI is going to help you. I quote the message. It might interest you to know that we have taken out time in screening through this project as stipulated on our protocol of operation and have finally confirmed that your contract payment is 100% genuine and hitch-free from all facet and of which you have the lawful right to claim your fund without any further delay. Having said all this, we will further advise that you go ahead in dealing with only the Union Bank Nigeria PLC office according as we will be monitoring all their services with you, as well as your correspondence at all level. Whew, that was a long sentence. Would any government agency send out something like that? And further down, I found that apparently some lady in Ohio named Mrs. Patricia Brown has already contacted the bank and presented to them all of the necessary documentation evidencing my claim. So, uh uh-oh, I better get on this, or I will miss my $8 million, because that nasty Mrs. Patricia Brown will have stolen it. You know, I wonder sometimes if if these folks ever really stop to think, would a bank really have exactly $8 million? Do banks not pay interest in Nigeria? Chances are, you're not going to have a bank account with a round figure in it. $8 million dollars and even dot zero zero cents. Might a number like $7,532,451.29 not be more believable? Continuing along in the message supposedly from the FBI, I have this, and I quote, They further informed us that we should warn our dear citizens who must have been informed of the contract payment which was awarded to them from the Nigerian government, and so on. Can you imagine the FBI referring to citizens as our dear citizens? Have you ever seen a letter from the FBI? I have, and I can tell you with absolute certainty, they are worded nothing like this. A little further down, they begin to set the hook. In reference to the bank, the message supposedly from the FBI says, ensure you follow all their procedure as may be required by them, as that will further help hasten up the whole procedures as regards to the transfer of your fund to you as designated. What they mean there is the protocol of operation at some point is going to require that you open an account at the bank in Nigeria. Ah, They'll just ask for a few thousand dollars. Of course, no big deal, a mere pittance when compared to the eight million you're soon going to receive. But you'll never see that few thousand dollars again. A little further down at the bottom... We have the email for Robert Mueller, which turns out to be Robert Mule underscore FBI at hotmail.com. Nonsense, of course. And the message was sent using IMP, the Internet Messaging Program. IMP is an Internet Messaging Program. It was written in PHP. It provides webmail access to IMAP and POP3 accounts. That's information from the IMP website. This is not the kind of program the FBI would use. And then there is a Spanish disclaimer. I can't read Spanish, but fortunately Google can. 
And the message in Spanish at the bottom of the message said this message has been analyzed by mail scanner for viruses and dangerous content and is considered to be clean. Question, why would the FBI use a service in Spain to send a message to someone in the United States? This is such a transparent fraud that it is surprising anybody could actually fall for it. But you can be sure that a few people, unfortunately, will. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.